railroaded the targeting and caging of Ross Ulbricht. The trial was conducted in a manner apparently designed to secure a guilty verdict. Some of the judge's decisions were baffling to any neutral observer. This is a post by Robert Murphy, economist and senior fellow at the Mises Institute. Hello and welcome to the Railroaded Podcast. This is part eight and the final part of the series, and it is about the targeting and caging of Ross Ulbricht. My name is Gary Leland, and I'm also known as the Crypto Podcaster. You may know me from my other podcasts, such as the Crypto Cousins Podcast and the 4-Minute Crypto Show. Railroaded is a podcast series revealing behind-the-scenes information you've never heard before. This is a peek into the inner workings and conflicts in the Silk Road story, and you will meet the people involved. I did not produce the Railroaded content that you're about to hear. I'm just delivering it as a podcast to help it reach a larger audience. I hope that the more people that know about Ross's situation, the better his chances are of being freed. The information in this podcast is based on the public record and should not be attributed to myself, Ross Ulbricht, Lynn Ulbricht, or anyone connected with freeross.org. I am not responsible for and do not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in this series. Railroaded was created by the Free Ross team and is narrated by Adrian Basson. On today's episode, you'll hear chapter 21, and this is the final chapter, Seeking Justice. Railroaded, the targeting and caging of Ross Ulbricht. Narrated by Adrian Bassan. The following is based on public information sources, including court filings, transcripts, trial exhibits, affidavits, warrant applications, subpoenas, judicial rulings, investigation reports, press releases, sworn testimony, and direct evidence. Some gaps remain due to government protective orders, redactions, sealed records, missing records the court cannot account for, dropped investigations, tampered evidence, communications and other data that remain encrypted, and the fact many of the parties involved have not testified. Even so, Every effort has been made to accurately present the available evidence surrounding the creation, investigation, and shutdown of Silk Road, and the prosecution of Ross Ulbricht. Chapter 21. Seeking Justice Tom Woods, best-selling author and historian, said, I stand with Ross because in a free society, peaceful people shouldn't be in prison. Given the rampant corruption by force and bridges, Judge Forrest's abuse of discretion at Ross's trial, and the draconian life sentence, many believed that Ross's conviction and sentence would not be upheld by the higher courts. Numerous other cases that Bridges was only peripherally involved in, compared to Ross's, were being thrown out. As Hahn put it, The number of cases that Bridges contaminated, not just existing criminal cases but also investigations across the country that his conduct has led to have to be shut down is truly staggering. Even another Silk Road defendant, considered the biggest seller of methamphetamine on the site, had his sentence cut from six years to three years because of Bridges' corruption. Dreytel appealed to a Second Circuit panel consisting of Judges John Newman, Gerard Lynch, and Christopher Droney. He argued that Ross was not Dread Pirate Roberts, 
that government investigators and persons directly involved with the site concluded that there were multiple DPRs over the course of Silk Road's existence and that DPR framed Ross. He told them that Judge Forrest had blocked evidence that Force and Bridges, who Turner hid until after trial, had infiltrated the internal operations of Silk Road's website and communications and financial platforms. He told them about how Judge Forrest had suppressed Carpellis's involvement, Jones's statement proving that over time there was more than one DPR, and Belevin's and Antonopoulos's expert testimony. Dreytel argued that Judge Forrest's rulings eviscerated Ross's defense and denied him a fair trial, and asked them to right this wrong. He also re-raised the Fourth Amendment issues Judge Forrest had denied regarding pen traps and overly broad warrants and challenged Ross's life sentence. Despite all this, the Second Circuit judges denied Ross's appeal in its entirety. Judge Lynch wrote the opinion. He accepted Turner's false excuse that Forrest and Bridges needed to be kept secret, stating that there was no need for disclosure. He said that keeping the investigation into force under seal did not result in any injustice. He defended Judge Forrest, saying that forcing Ross's trial forward, instead of waiting the seven weeks for Forrest and Bridges to be indicted, was not irrational or arbitrary. Despite all that Dreytel put forth to the contrary, Judge Lynch decided that, although the agent's illegal behavior in connection with the Silk Road is deeply troubling, Turner's disclosure of the force investigation and the post-trial disclosure of Bridges' corruption did not violate Ross's due process rights. His failure to reveal the full extent of the investigations until after Ross's trial did not prejudice him. Judge Lynch acknowledged Ross's defense that Silk Road reduced the harms associated with the drug trade in several ways. For example, that trafficking in drugs over the internet reduced violence associated with hand-to-hand transactions and the societal stigma of drug use. And Silk Road's vendor rating system ensured that customers had access to better quality drugs and more information about the drugs that they were purchasing. He went on to say that reasonable people may and do disagree about the social utility of harsh sentences for the distribution of their sale and use at all. It is very possible that, at some future point, we will come to regard these policies as tragic mistakes and adopt less punitive and more effective methods of reducing the incidence and costs of drug use. At this point in our history, however, the democratically elected representatives of the people have opted for a policy of prohibition backed by severe punishment. That policy results in the routine incarceration of many traffickers for extended periods of time. As they had Judge Forrest, the political beliefs she attributed to Ross troubled Judge Lynch. Ulbricht believes that drug use should be legalized, he wrote. He appeared to contest the legitimacy of the laws he violated, which was enough to give Judge Forrest the power to condemn a young man to die in prison. Ross is doing just that, serving what the ACLU has called a living death sentence. He is confined to a maximum security federal prison in Florence, Colorado, where he lives with the realities of a violent and hostile environment every day. Ross, represented by Canon Shanmugam of Williams & Connolly LLP, petitioned the Supreme Court 
to rule on constitutional violations in the investigation and at sentencing. The petition was supported by 21 groups from both sides of the political spectrum. It argued that the government should not be able to collect our internet traffic information without a warrant, and that a judge cannot sentence someone based on crimes he wasn't convicted of by a jury. The petition was denied without comment on June 28, 2018, finalizing Ross's conviction and life sentence. On July 20, 2018, the District of Maryland dismissed with prejudice the five-year-old unprosecuted indictment containing the only charge of planned violence. These charges can never be refiled. Even in the face of his excessive sentence, Ross clings to the hope of reuniting with his family and dreams of a future where he can use his education, knowledge, and skills to contribute to his community and society as a whole. The information presented in Railroaded is based solely on the public record and should not be attributed to Ross Ulbricht, Lynn Ulbricht, or anyone connected with FreeRoss.org. The Ulbricht family issued the following statement. Ross was misused by the U.S. justice system, by those who took an oath to act with honor, integrity, and support the Constitution. Instead, they won their trophy at the expense of a young man's life. This cannot stand. Now Ross needs mercy from the president. Please help us free Ross. You can sign Ross's petition for clemency at freeross.org petition. For a written version of this episode, plus citations and footnotes, go to freeross.org railroaded. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and the full series. If you'd like to help Ross, please consider signing and sharing Ross's clemency petition at freeross.org petition. Over 200,000 people have signed it so far. That's a very exciting number. For additional information, visit freeross.org. You can follow Ross on Twitter at RealRossU. And the U is just the letter U at the end. Everyone, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss any updates that may come out later. I'd love it if you could give this podcast a five-star rating and a great review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That really does help more than you know. And please share this podcast with your friends on social media and let's get the word out there. On the next episode, which is the final episode of the podcast, I'll bring back Ross's mother, Lynn, and we'll have a wrap-up show. Thanks for listening. Thank you.